0: I'm a big advocate for risk. So, I mean, I've been through hell because like I put all my eggs in one basket, like one of, some of my startups, I've uh, lost everything. I have to rebuild up everything from scratch, which is why like even for business e-commerce, you know, we have like a lot of stores that we diversify our traffic to. It's not it's not everything in one store, right? You spread out our risk. So, in the event if, if shit happens, right? Mm-hmm. You're
1: listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Steve Tam, representing one half of the Super Tam brothers, shares a commonality with many of the legends we'll be talking about over the course of this series. Put simply, they needed to find themselves in a better place. And so they did. One day, they're glued to the screen, controller in hand, trying to top the leaderboard. Now, okay, well they're still on screens a lot, they still have devices with buttons on them, and still aim to be on top, but now it's somewhere they can make a real difference. Millions of differences, as a matter of fact. Join us as we visit the kingdom of Steve Tan and learn how he builds businesses, fosters community and keeps his head in the game. So Steve Tan, uh, great to have you here. Um, I see you grew up in Singapore and I would love to start there because I don't really know anything about the uh, nation. So can you tell us what uh, life was like growing up there?
0: Uh, Singapore is like a a pretty traditional Asia country, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like the kind of Kind of look look at it more like the Swiss of Asia, so it's kind of like the financial (laughs) hub alongside with Hong Kong. So Singapore, like, um, it used to be kind of one of the major ports in Asia, but Mm -hmm. ever since like you know China comes back in power, and you know a lot of things has been routed through China rather than Singapore. So Singapore government had to shift into tourism. So it's one of the popular areas in in Asia for people to come over to, you know, take a, a week of holiday or probably just come to casino and all that.
1: Um, if you know, off the top of your head, when did, uh, trying to come back into power, was this something around like that that you experienced or was this before your time?
0: This was, uh, this was probably like when I was like, I would say 10, 10, 15 years old. So I would say more into like taking back because like, because once their pot started take, uh, becoming better people don't have to do the transit at Singapore. So they would do all the transit in China, Shanghai, or somewhere else. So it took away a lot of business for Singapore as, a, as one of the main ports uh, across Asia.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about um, the schooling system there? The, I, I'm not sure how much you know about how we have it in the West, but we have like our elementary system, grades one through eight. Each one takes a year. And high mm-hmm. school is like a four-year program, and then college, <laughs> anything from like six weeks to, to eight years, depending on uh, uh, how much permission you have to open up somebody else's body.
0: <laughs> Singapore is uh, Singapore used to be uh, um, colonized by the British, mm-hmm. so which is why Singapore is very British in terms of like the education um, and a lot of things. It's it's. Following how the British worked. So, kind of like our education is from like primary one to primary six, uh, four years of secondary school, uh, two to three years of high school, then college. So, I wouldn't say it's very different compared to the US.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, see, I didn't even know that it was colonized. It's, it's a little bit good a crash course for me. But uh, let's, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on to that. I'm, I have a feeling that we might end up bringing it up in bits and pieces here or there as we go. One of the things I, I learned about you is that, uh, you have a, a close uh, working relationship alongside your brother, Evan. So I, I'd like to know more about the dynamic between the two of you and how you guys work together.
0: Um, so Evan runs like the operation side of things. He managed, uh, he manages our e-commerce business. So as we have like multiple different businesses, Evan kind of like run the entire operations for our e-commerce business. And while I focus more on the strategic and planning and expansion and growth side of things.
1: And as you guys were uh, working together throughout, uh, how long have you guys been, um, been, uh, been working together exactly?
0: Oh, probably like 10 years.
1: 10 years. And has your, uh, have, you, have your roles uh, changed and evolved over time or have you guys basically found your, your, your fits together and have been able to stick to it all that time?
0: Yeah, I think more or less it has been always the same because, like, um, you know, Evan started helping me out, you know, while he was studying. So a lot of things he, uh, I'm guiding him in terms of like, you know, what he should be doing or how he should be helping out. But now, like, I mean, across the years, he has learned his skill sets well. And now he's being able to lead an entire company himself. So it's kind of like uh, been a really great help to the business.
1: According to your uh, profile on Forbes, your skill set is e-commerce, uh, digital marketing, and growth hacking. Um, on our show, we, we do have some grasp uh, on the first two, um, but I'd like to know more about uh, growth hacking. So uh, how would you define a growth hack and how are, do you apply it to your uh, e-commerce business?
0: Um, we have stores going from zero to seven million in a month. So like um, that's kind of how we scale pretty hard when kind of like we found a winning product and we have the systems in place so that when we find a winning product, um, we are able to scale this up using Facebook ads and at the same time, monetize uh, to different platforms like, you know, Google shopping, um, native ads, and search as well at the same time.
1: And when um, from the time that you uh, started uh, on this, w- Were you able to um, apply these uh, right away? Or was was this something that you started to uh, learn over time? Like where were some of the earliest uh, growth hacks that you were able to apply and see, oh, wow, this really works. This is uh, this is huge.
0: Um, I I mean, it really varies from business to business. So some business, like sometimes even you, if if you apply all these hacks or probably you try to scale it, it takes time or some, some products doesn't have the kind of virality compared to like some products. So, as much as we want to, like, you know, as much as we hope that every product will go viral or, mm-hmm. like, we can apply all these growth hacks, um, it doesn't necessarily um, would succeed every single time. I see. So, we started applying this from from some of our campaigns, like, um, back in, like, uh, 2012, like, when we're launching, like, new brands. So, we, we started on a smaller scale um, because, like, some, in, you still need, like, um, significant ad budget to scale Facebook ads at at the same time. So when we're just starting out, it's kind of like, you know, we plan out the entire launch funnel and we kind of like see how the entire market reacts to the launch. And when the launch goes well, we could start like reinvesting more of the cash flow that's coming in from the pre-orders. So the first time that we started applying this was like for our Indiegogo project, which was in 2012. And like, even on really, really tight budget, we managed to get the campaign to over 1.5 million, like in 2012. So that was, that was when we started realizing that like, there's definitely things that we could apply to increase the chances of the product going viral or increase the chances of this product, like, you know, getting more exposure, getting more people share, um, and so on and so forth.
1: So are, are you looking for products that are already doing um, a certain level of uh, sales in the marketplace? Is there like a cutoff point where you say, okay, maybe this product is good, but we're not exactly going to commit to this just yet?
0: Yeah. So um, there's, there's a few ways that we do it. Uh, one of the easiest ways of, is obviously the easiest way is to leverage whatever someone else is already selling. That's kind of like piggy, bank, uh, piggy banking on the their sales. So what we can do is usually when we find someone that has been selling it for probably like one week or two weeks and we see, we spot like a trend that this product has been going viral and we, we measure based on their video views. And like if their video views has increased substantially across like, you know, within one week and it will come under our radar and sometimes we'll decide if we want to sell the exact same product because someone has really proven this product is really selling very well for us, but long story short, usually the biggest sellers comes from our internal own finds, because usually when someone is already selling, one uh, one week is still okay, but sometimes it's if you find it on the second or third week, someone has already probably been selling it for so long, and when you come on board. You might have only breadcrumbs left because someone they have really mm-hmm. been milking this product for already like two, three weeks. And depending on how much um budget that that they have been investing into this product, they probably have already saturated this product in a short span of two, three weeks. And that usually happens very quickly because a lot of a lot of like drop shippers, when they see a winning product, all of them would jump on board. So Market saturation would happen very, very quickly if uh, if it's uh, like you know a common product.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I mean, know that you know my family we we order uh, quite a number of things online, so there are quite a lot of products that you buy it once, and it's probably going to be that one product for a for for a long time. Like my mom, she just bought like one of those mini uh, room air conditioners. I have like once once the first wave of those is sold it's getting in on it would we'll be like, hey, you know that small air conditioning thing you've got? Here's another. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I understand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, on one of your uh, Forbes articles, um, you say with great trans- transparency that uh, some of your uh, projects weren't home runs, and but some were. I want to give you the, uh, the decision to uh, tell us about which of your uh, endeavors didn't work and uh, what happened with them.
0: So one of the startups that we did, um, it was like a consumer electronic product, and we we came from like the previous startup doing the same consumer electronics product, kind of like similar project range, but like we did all the branding and we we just we really didn't innovate a lot. So we're kind of like modeling on 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 a winning product that's already in the market for probably like about a year. So there's probably like five to six uh, competitors on the market that has been in the market for quite a while. So, you know, we thought that this would be a big winner because like there's so many people selling very well and mm-hmm. the market leader is selling for $30. So we thought at selling it by at $15, we would actually gain a lot of market share. But there was kind of like naive of me because like, you know, I was pretty new. I, I thought like, you know, just doing the branding really well, undercutting the uh, the, the, the first uh, the first person in the market would actually gain us like pretty good market share. Uh, we actually sold like um, probably like 5,000 uh, units. And after which we had pretty much very big difficulty in pushing the product because like um, you know the competitors started spotting us selling at that price and they started lowering their price to match our selling price so that didn't give us any advantage anymore and people would still prefer to buy from them because like they have already like huge coverage in terms of like your branding and like um, compatibility and we're just starting out so it was really really hard for us to continue like um, that project because like um, we're facing our competitor matching our price, if not lower when they're buying in bulk or, or in bundle. So long story short, we have to wrap up the company because like we weren't competitive enough to continue that startup, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, it can be hard to uh, find an edge in there because they've got the, the the customer loyalty, they've got the ability to buy, like you said, in a greater uh, quantity. Um, when in terms of your, your branding though, um, what did you do to to set your brand up at that in that in that project?
0: So um, we started from scratch. We started with designing the logos, the brand identity, the brand guidelines. Then we started designing on the packaging. From there on, we scaled up to like you know all the other channels from social media, and it w- it, w- it took us quite a while because we really want to focus on the user experience from our design standpoint. So because it it was like kind of like. Um, a consumer electronic that connects to your phone through and uh, through an app and from there we could actually uh search for products that's actually um uh, so it's actually a consumer electronic product that helps mm-hmm. you find your lost stuff so you could attach it yeah attach oh i've seen your those keychains yeah keychains or your wallet or whatsoever so it took us quite a while because we, we really want to go for perfection in terms of like, you know, usability standpoint. But I think we didn't get like, uh, we weren't careful enough because we care so much about usability, but we didn't focus enough on making sure that this, the selling point is very competitive or like we have like, or, or we're spending enough time to invest the right amount of time into marketing. So I think that was one of the big flops that we actually did, which is why subsequent projects we started to go into probably a leaner model. So we would start testing out the product with some ads, you know, to see if it works and if it works, we'll just go white label instead of going through the entire branding. Um, branding route we would just go white label slap on a simple logo packaging and we're good to go and when that really goes well then we'll consider going like the full brand route
1: mm-hmm. you know it sounds you're you're describing what is you're, you're describing a mistake that I'm probably going to make because as i'm doing the uh, as I'm learning the the e-commerce and I'm interviewing uh, people such as yourself, and I'm also like doing scripting and researching for uh, for solo content. And what I th- what I'm what I'm picturing in my head is that there's an eagerness to, I think have a lot of like personality and a lot of expression in in the store, focus on the the aesthetic and the experience that I want people to have uh, where it sounds like, yeah, that's. Maybe you should hold off on that. make sure that uh, everything is running efficiently first and then you can start to add a little bit more of that uh, additional flair to continue to attract attention.
0: I think I think it's more about whether the company is going to be able to survive. Is there any like cash flow coming in? I think that's kind of like what we weren't able to realize because we thought like oh, when we design this product, you know when it has beautiful branding, When it has great UI, great app, great design, sales is going to come. But usually that's not the case, right? So Mm -hmm. I think we learned it the hard way going through like uh, closing down the company. And yeah, I think, uh, which is why nowadays we will really focus on sales, sales, sales. Then we'll start like, you know, putting in different efforts in terms of different parts of the uh, product
1: and uh, with this product was this something that you were drop shipping or was this something that you would actually purchase yourself and then uh, try to sell?
0: Yeah, we have to stock everything because like uh, what, which is why I I really don't like to touch um, electronics nowadays because like we try mm. to like do our R and D ourselves, so that means that you have to stock a significant amount of like you know. Uh, chips and, you know, all the CPUs and all kind of stuff, like electronic parts. But if you buy, like, an existing product in the market, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to white label and to slap on something that's already in the market. But that also means that any, any, any other competitors or any other people could get the exact same product and do the same thing. So we're taking higher risk to ensure that, like, you know, Going through the research and development route, but mm-hmm. that also means if it goes well, it's great. But if if it goes south, you're gonna lose your like you're gonna lose a lot of money.
1: Well, uh, I, you can count on me to definitely be reviewing this too, uh, possibly several times over. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go to this next question. This one's going to be a bit of a break from the e-commerce stuff. It's not too far off the mark, but. Um, this is one thing that I uh, wanted to know more about is, uh, what do you do to stay on top of current trends and news? And uh, what are your sources of information?
0: Um, we do have like a tight-knit group of like um, high-level entrepreneurs that's doing like brands, dropshipping, Amazon. So we get together like very frequently to... Everyone goes through like kind of like a round table. So everyone will share what have they been doing, you know, what are, what are some things that they think are working for them so we go one round every time and we learn and network with each other all the time so that's kind of like how we get to know the trends and stay on top of like you know market shifts especially because like there's a this group of people are all doing from eight to nine figures so you know hearing from them is definitely the fastest way to get the understanding on all the different markets like Doesn't matter if it's drop shipping, doesn't matter if it's Amazon, it's all like, you know, we could understand the whole, the whole trend or the whole shift in the whole industry. So I think that's the best way. And I highly suggest people get into small groups of mastermind, like-minded people to share like closed door secrets or closed door strategies among themselves.
1: Now, is this the e-commerce elites mastermind community that you're talking about?
0: No, this is like, this okay. is private. Like, yeah, this is private. E-commerce at least, most of mine has like hundred thousand people. It's not okay. like possible to like, um,
1: Have a round table with that many people. Yeah.
0: Probably yeah. Like 10 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, w- I mean, I suppose I would have thought like uh subgroups within that, whereas that's like the, the main collective, but I'll, we'll, we'll get to that because I do want to know more about that as well. Mm-hmm. So, I read from your uh, Yahoo Finance article, you have a whole e-commerce ecosystem, uh, you have fulfillment, agencies, uh, software, education. Yep. Um, I'd like to get a sense of how your operation is structured and what does the average day look like for you in trying to manage these companies?
0: It's pretty simple for me because I manage my CEOs. So even like, you know, technically I have like 20 companies, but I only manage 20 CEOs. So oh, I, I still, see. Yeah. So I, I don't do like the day-to-day like nitty-gritty groundwork. I don't do my media buying myself. My typical day is mostly meetings across different companies. You know, sometimes I'll, the only time I have to really do the dirty work myself is usually like finance or banking work, uh, whereby I like opening new accounts or setting up new companies. That's usually when like, um, that's going to take like some of my time. But usually like expand time uh, with different companies or across like the week. So I'll probably have like company ABC like across Monday. I'll do the rest on Tuesday, Wednesday, so and so forth. But I'll usually keep like um, some time for me to do st- strategic discussion and and brainstorming with the executives to see how we could scale the business to like uh, probably the next level.
1: Mm-hmm. Has uh, have things ever get to a point where you do have to get a little bit more hands on, just in case something needs a little bit of your uh, personal touch?
0: Yeah, for sure. So like, um, you know, the reason why we spread ourselves into so many different industries is kind of like one of, one of the main reasons is on diversification, you know, like at any point of time, let's say if dropshipping died or probably my entire e-commerce business just went away, like in, within 24 hours, you know, I'm still going to be pretty comfortable because like my risk is very diverse. I have softwares and all that. But like, for example, like if, Sometimes we will come across like a home run, like for, um, you know, we initially, we didn't know that this project is going to do well. So we probably put in very minimal resources or probably I, I didn't really get myself involved a lot. I'll probably just get my managers or all my VPs involved in a particular project. And when when the project is growing so fast, usually they will be backlogged with hires you know, with manpower. So that's kind of like the time where I need to kind of like step in and, kind of help them out more, give them more advice or probably like see, hey, bring on some resources from my other other companies to help them out first so that they could ensure a smooth growth rather than like everything comes to a complete stop because we don't have enough manpower. We don't have the systems in place. We don't Mm -hmm. have a consultant in place to help, um, Streamline things because, like, some every even though some of the resources are mine, you know, they are still like pretty backlog because there's like a few companies that some of my my VPs are overlooking across different companies. So yeah, that's kind of like oh, that's kind of like the time whereby I have to like like you know roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and you know get myself more involved uh, with the new business because like when 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 an opportunity comes knocking you have to be ready, if not like, you know, sometimes that opportunity time frame might be just like for that particular month. And we wanna make sure that we always capture whenever the opportunity comes knocking down our doors.
1: Right, and as you were saying earlier, sometimes you have a very limited window to uh, act on these before uh, somebody else takes hold of the market, whether that's a product or if that's a service that somebody else can, uh, can effectively distribute out into the market. And um, this actually, Uh, leads me into another uh, part of it because so you're 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 talking about diversification and how if uh, if one thing doesn't uh, go particularly well you do have other um, platforms and other things that you have to uh, to fall back on and some of it increases uh, increases personal investment obviously increases financial investment um, and it just keeps you more locked into the uh, industry at large now do you, you also apply this to um to stores in particular, as well as your business in its entirety.
0: Yep, uh, I'm a I'm a big advocate for risk. So I mean, I've been through hell because like I put all my eggs in one basket, like one some of my startups, I've uh, lost everything. I have to rebuild up everything from scratch, which is why like even for business e-commerce, you know, we have like a lot of stores that we diversify our traffic to. It's not it's not everything in one store right? We spread out our risk. So in the event, if, if shit happens, right, Mm -hmm. not all is going to take the damage. So one or a few of them is going to die. That's normal. We'll just move on. So even we we apply this for all our business, regardless It's Facebook ads, we have like so many Facebook, um, business managers, different accounts, you know, for different, different pages for different stores. So you just have to be careful and just going to be prepared before the the problem finds you you have to be proactive in in terms of like knowing when problems might come and being prepared before the problems come to you
1: mm-hmm. and then as as far as the um the the product line go are there certain areas that you don't touch maybe due to expertise like do you get in is there any limitations to what our products you'll uh, you'll try to sell in a store
0: no, we don't really have a limitation. The only limitation is like lo- logistics, like so probably like pow- things that uh, contains powder or liquid. Right. Uh, okay. It's a little bit more tricky, but uh, other than that, we don't really have restrictions. We sell whatever things that makes us money, uh, as long as they're legal.
1: Yeah, no, I I understand that completely. I have a uh, a long uh, and sort of relationship with liquids. <laughs> okay. I want to spend a, a little bit mo- more time specifically on drop shipping because it's so essential a component to e commerce. Um, how did you uh, discover dropshipping? shipping? Uh, so, what was it like for you going into it? And also, what are your thoughts on dropshipping in our uh, in our current climate? Like how you, where you see it going, and uh, how your relationship with it has been?
0: Yeah, so I started drop shipping probably in two thousand six. So it was like half drop shipping because like I'm the person <laughs> I'm the person actually pick packing shipping out the product so I would buy I'll buy whenever I have a sale uh, from the supplier and the supplier will ship it to me because most of like during that time in 2006 most suppliers do not ship international right so I have to purchase it to my own place and I have to pack it up then I'll ship it myself so I'll, I would I'm not even sure whether people consider that drop shipping. But that's kind of like my first taste into e-commerce. And kind of like it was like, um, you know, why I got into it was because I have no money. I'm trying to be an entrepreneur. So, and I tried everything digital, digital marketing, selling um, ClickBank products, AdSense, blogging, and all kinds of stuff and didn't work. So, mm-hmm. but when I went into dropshipping or e-commerce, I would say like e- eBay, selling on uh, my own website it was so much easier like it, it it seems like it's so much easier to connect with the buyer because like we're selling tangible stuff but like in 2004 2005 i was learning internet marketing which was like a pretty new like it was like an entire new world to me because like i'm i'm i just finished my um, high school and I I was just waiting to see how I could change my life because like I'm a broke student I have no money and this was really easy for me to get started like with like eBay so that's kind of like how I got started first.
1: Yeah and, I, and I'm noticing that uh, that trend across uh, some of the people that I've been researching is that Whereas uh, other business opportunities only seem to present themselves to people who have already been presented opportunities, uh, the beauty of dropshipping is because it's a it's a low investment um, yep. uh, business. A lot of people who just who have that drive and legitimately want to give it a go have very little excuse not to. Like one of the stores that I researched for for another episode, his budget was sixty dollars and he was and thanks to dropshipping he was able to turn that into a, a business that can uh, feed his uh, feed his family
0: wow yeah i mean definitely like uh, i mean even since my days dropshipping had dropshipping wasn't popular back then but it was already there you know the last few years for dropshipping has been critical because like it can uh, expose more a lot of more people that they could get started with uh, e-commerce without a lot of money because like the traditional way of doing e-commerce that you have to stock your inventory. So like what I've like what I've done in my past startups, right? You have to invest a lot of money and chances are it might not work because you're you're just a dumbass, like you know, newbie new uh, entrepreneur that doesn't know what he's doing. And all I know is my I I I think that my product is gonna sell very well. But truth is nobody wants your product and you're stuck with like probably 50 to 100,000 dollars worth of inventory and that's your entire cash flow. So a lot of, a few of my business failed because of overstocked inventory and it killed my cash flow. I don't have cash flow enough to run ads. You know, I don't have an, uh, no one's buying my product. So which is why I'm I'm still a really really big advocate of like dropshipping because I honestly think that this is one of the best business models in the world. And anyone could get started with it without a lot of money, without a lot of like investment, with for inventory, warehouse, hiring like a bunch of staff to do all that kind of stuff. And if one product doesn't work, you have like thousands and hundreds of thousands of different products that you could play around with without risk. Which is why like I think dropshipping is gonna be here to stay. But the mm-hmm. entire business model needs to take a little bit of shift because there are so many different kind of like people jumping on board. When you have like a bunch of people coming onto this the same market, you're going to attract like uh, authentic sellers and scammers. So scammers are those people that spoils it for everybody. Like, you know, they, they collect the money, they don't ship the product. Or if they don't, uh, if they ship the product, they probably ship something crap. Or they like you know they ship something that's totally irrelevant to the product that you have bought. So these are the people that spoil the entire like dropshipping for people, and which is why drop sometimes dropshipping gets a pretty bad name that the product quality is crap. But if there's some big uh, there's some big companies that still doing dropshipping, but their entire ecosystem is a little bit different. And I think for like small business owners like us, we could kind of like model what these guys are doing. Right? They work with like really good suppliers in China or they probably and, or what they could do is they work with like uh, local logistics right or probably they could import the products uh, a small amount of product into US or wherever they're selling most mm-hmm. and they could keep majority of the inventory in probably China so they need to have like a very good like um, partner that could help them do like predictions or like rolling rolling inventory so that whenever the stock in the US or the local site gets low, they could ship things in time by ocean. So that look, and when they run out, if, if in the event they run out of the products, they could just ship it directly from China, but majority of the orders will be shipped out from the local countries. So if you're able to take care of like customer service Shipping speed, product quality, drop shipping will be available to you like for a very very long time. I don't see any problem that you're gonna get into because this few, this few, uh, this few things would actually ensure that your Facebook feedback score will be really really high because like all these points are very very critical to running your Facebook business.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, I can tell you that um, s- since we were, you know, locked inside of our house, uh, as was uh, as was the law, we, I, I, I've been ordering stuff online uh, prior to uh, COVID nineteen, but my family definitely uh, picked up the frequency of orders, and I've seen. Um, I've, I've seen, I've got, I've had stuff delivered. The branding was great. Packaging was great. And I felt very comfortable with the company, but I've also had a product. It was like a hands-free bracket where you can put your tablet into it and then it would, you can move it around It never showed up. It ended up getting delivered to somebody in another province. And then I go to the website to try to find out what happened. And the website went down. So there are people that are giving it a bad name for sure, but there are people that are uh, doing the right thing as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the e-commerce market's so big, right? There's definitely going to be bad apples that you know, um, going to destroy it for everybody.
1: Yeah, and and there's and there's bad apples in in all businesses. So um, yeah, it's it's nothing uh, something unique to dropshipping. All right, let's uh, switch gears. I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, community aspect of uh, what you're up to. Uh, I'd love to know more about the e-commerce summit and tell me how these got going and given the current circumstances, what the situation is looking like now?
0: So um, we launched our e-commerce world summit in a couple of years ago, and we kind of get had a really great response uh, for about 1,000 people flying from all around the world, joining us in Singapore. You know, a lot of people haven't been to Singapore like uh, yourself, and they were, mm-hmm. like, um, very surprised that, like, um, there's actually such a small country uh, in Asia that's, like, um, kind of, like, Switzerland, in a sense, um, the safe spot and very, very um, centralized financial banking systems uh, in Asia. So we started off kind of like as a hobby. Um, We we got to attract a thousand people that ping, ping, ping customers coming to Singapore all through our community uh, at e-commerce elites mastermind. So that kind of like got us Interested in sharing more value across like events, offline events, online communities, uh, seminars, workshops and all that kind of stuff. And it was very fulfilling because like uh, we we have seen a lot of change. We have seen a lot of people change their lives, uh, you know, with our free content from through our paid workshops, masterminds and all that kind of stuff. And which was why resulted us in pursuing um, an education business as well.
1: Yeah, and I also think that because so much of the business is conducted online and virtually, uh, people don't get the opportunity to meet face to face, and there's a lot of value to just being able to like you know see people and experience people in person. I I miss that—that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like um, one of the big changes that we encounter is like we have to shift all our lessons online, and it's a shame because like we really enjoy the face to face interaction you know, with the students and a lot of people wanted to come to like the live events, but it's still in a very tricky situation right now because the Singapore government um just recently unlocked the country because like um there's there was some huge surge in um COVID cases locally. Um and they are very very careful in terms of like education providers like us, on uh, doing big events like a couple of hundred people. They are not allowing it so far, so we don't really if we're, we don't really want to wait till when they could allow us to do it. We're just just gonna do it online in the meantime until the whole world comes to like you know a good state whereby we could start conducting our face to face masterminds and meetups. And that will be kind of like, uh, what we're looking for it to.
1: Okay, great. And we've already, uh, brought up the, uh, the masterminds and we, uh, we've alluded to it uh, so far. So let's get right to that. Uh, tell us about the e-commerce leads mastermind and, uh, how the community functions, how it got started and what's its mission.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think we, I don't even know how many years has it been like, since we created the group. So initially, like, uh, we, we were sharing a lot of, like, content in people's groups. And sometimes when we share a lot of value, like, I'm not sure our post just got deleted by some of the group owners. And I kind of, like, understand why. Because, like, kind of, like, uh, we're getting so much, like, attention. And it kind of, like, our results are even bigger than a lot of, like, um, the gurus and all kind of, like, you know, people. Um, group owners and Mm -hmm. they started deleting and it started like um i I was like i was like quite taken aback because i I was just sharing value pure value no link to like website no opt-in pages no nothing it's just pure value and i just got deleted so and a lot of people started messaging me every single day like hey steve could you like share this could you share that i was like oh okay like and I started replying like 10 messages, 20 messages, 100 messages, few hundred messages per day and I kind of thought, you no know, this this has to stop, right? I, I have a business to run and this couldn't like I can I couldn't function if I have to reply to so many messages every single day. Mm-hmm. So my friends suggested like hey Steve probably like you know just create a small group of people like honestly like a mastermind probably like 100 people in it where everyone could share it but like it kind of got out of hand where we started sharing a lot of value in a small group and people started adding people after people and you know we we went to like i think from like zero to ten thousand members i think it only took us like less than like 30 days and it just scaled from there and now we're over like hundred thousand people in the community
1: that uh, that's actually that's funny to me just because it's Pretty similar to uh, how um, you're you're able to scale business operations in a short amount of time uh, elsewhere. So it's funny to me that the same thing happens within your Facebook community page as well. Must be something that you're doing across all of these that just seems to work.
0: Oh, for for to be honest, right? um, Like for our personal branding and like the Facebook group. Honestly, we haven't. I mean, we know we need to be putting more resources, more attention to it. But honestly, we haven't even been like, you know, taking care of it across these years. It's more like a site. It's more like our hobby. It's more like kind of like our go-to spot to kind of like, you know, like meet new people, meet new friends. And I'm really thankful to the group because, like, that resulted me in all my potential, uh, all my businesses that I have right now. Because, like, I've met a lot of people, good people, bad people, really bad people as well from the group. And, but I'm thankful because it allowed me to get involved in a lot more different businesses rather than just only e-commerce uh, myself. Because right. e-commerce, like, you know, e-commerce, like, logistics, e-commerce software... Even though they're all in the same e-commerce niche, but it expands my whole ecosystem. So when I when, when when we just got started, like, you know, when we're crushing it with our e-commerce business, I kinda had a dream that I, I wanted to had a more robust ecosystem whereby like, you know, every every component in the ecosystem would be like, you know, trusted, validated companies that I, I personally use or invest or you know, acquired to be in part of our ecosystem whereby we could share openly with, like, you know, our, our community or myself or my business partners. And I'm, I really like the synergy between different companies. Like, for example, my partner A company with partner C company mm-hmm. have like good synergies and they could add value to each other. So that's kind of like my dream that I had like a couple of years ago. And I'm proud to say, like, you know, I'm taking baby steps across, like, you know, every year, you know, acquiring or investing in like good, good companies that I believe can really help take um, e-commerce business owners to the next level.
1: Well, and then uh, fundamentally across all of it, it comes back to value because you're providing value. That's just, it's its own uh, way to uh, influence others. And so, yeah, that's, that's great to hear.
0: I think... Yeah, I think value and at the same time performance. So, like for example, our uh, one of our softwares like Intercard, uh, we we launched it without any marketing budget. We have zero marketing budget, and like we have like waiting waiting list. People wanting like messaging me, Steve, could I get on it? Because like we used to. It's now only in house. Like it's a, it's a closed uh, community that we use. We only accept like. Um, performance marketers or people that's doing at least a few hundred thousand dollars revenue and above. And with no marketing, we grew it from zero to like probably like 70 million per month uh, in terms of like um, revenue for like merchants. So we process like the checkout for all our merchants through our software. And I'm proud to say that like, you know, with no marketing, I'm I'm honestly very very surprised that we were able to like have like this kind of revenue come in like through all our merchants combined.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, you were mentioning uh, a little bit about how you did expect to see some uh, some revenue there, which re- does remind me of something that I'll, that I saw on your Instagram page: is that um, you do you do do the investing. Um, if you're willing to make us I just want to make sure I got this right if you're willing to make a yep. sizable investment into a company you anticipate it'll hit 10 million in sales so mm-hmm. what do you what do you expect to see in a business before you commit to investing
0: Hmm. definitely first is the founder the founder's mindset how hungry is the founder you know I get a lot of deal flows coming my way um, a lot of a lot of them are like just time wasters, right? People just come to like, they just want to get on call with me. They just want to ask for advice, free advice and all kinds of stuff. So like right now, we, two things. One is the founder. Second is the the project or the idea or like, you know, the business itself. So if we feel that this business has like a big or, or we feel if this business has a big enough niche, or if we come in, we are confident that we could double, triple or quadruple the business, then it would be a good fit for us because we would never want to get involved with companies or businesses that, you know, if the founder bring us on board, he's going to sacrifice like some significant amount of uh, equity, right? So we would never consider companies that when we come in, we would not be able to add value or like, you know, greatly increase their profitability or revenue
1: okay that's a great answer to that question uh last couple of ones i got for you this is some personal development stuff so i read from the backstory for both uh you and evan that you guys uh you weren't always these uh these amazing prolific um uh members of the e-commerce world uh you were doing quite a lot of gaming um now I, I, I still do. I still do quite a lot of gaming, and I think when you balance it, it can be a valuable part of life. Um, I guess it does depend on the game. Uh, for me, it, it hones a competitive edge, keeps my reaction time high. Um, did you guys pick up anything positive from your gaming experience? Anything to carry over into of business course. that actually helped?
0: Of course, one hundred percent. So I used to be like a a crazy gamer, right? Uh, I'll I'll game for like forty eight to seventy two hours nonstop, non sleep no sleep at all. But the reason why I'm doing that is because I want to be the, the top player in the server. So I'm really, mm-hmm. really competitive, right? I really want to have the best armors, the best weapons, you know, all, all that kind of stuff on the server. And I think my mom has like a big impact on me. So I kind of had my first epiphany in my life because we we're going through a really hard time. And, um, Kind of like my mom sacrificed a lot of things for us. And I was just addicted to gaming nonstop. And worst of all, I, I even got my brother uh, involved in this whole gaming stuff. So I was rotating shift with him. I was playing like 10, p- 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., right? And he was playing 10 p.m. to 10 a.m., <laughs> 24 hours, like, you know, nonstop during school holidays. So my mom was really, really disappointed. And, like, you know, I think she kind of, like, had um, had enough so, like, she told me, like, "Hey, like, you know, if, if you're so competitive, like, on, on the virtual, world, right? Why don't you be like so com- super competitive in the real world and be like, like a, a good person or or be a useful person? Because like, I don't see any future in you any in you or your brother right now." So, that was like, that was shared to me at like one of like my mom's lowest point in uh, time in life. And kind of like that kind of woke me up, and I was like, "Yeah, man! Like, you know, why am I like trying to be the top player in a server, right? I should be someone better, or like, you know, a good businessman running like multiple business and being successful in life, like right? Rather than 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 uh, being like, you know, a keyboard warrior, just type, uh, just training his character away." know, hidden in small dark room and I don't Mm -hmm. want to be that person anymore so and that actually forced me into like internet marketing because I was still a broke student even though I had my epiphany in my life right and I started looking into how to make money online google and that kind of stuff and like you know doing all the digital marketing internet marketing you know blogs and all that didn't work out for me but it kind of gave me um, the confidence that, you know, yeah, I believe in that this is going to work. And I, I'm very grateful even to this day that, you know, I've been involved in this industry. I've been exposed to internet marketing, e-commerce and all this kind of digital stuff at such an early stage in my life because like now, nowadays people are like, oh my God, if I know this like 10 years ago, they'll be like, you know, they'll be so helpful Mm-hmm. But for me, like, uh, I still count it as a blessing that, you know, I was forced to, you know, pick up a skill set at my early uh, days in my life. And, you know, it led me to a lot of opportunities that, you know, I got involved, I lost my money, I met a lot of bad partners, and kind of like hone my skills to kind of like uh, spot bullshit from like a mile away. And kind of like to kind of like differentiate good partners from bad partners. and And I've learned through all these partnerships, you can like really, um, value and appreciate people that, um, made an impact in your life or people that, that wants to really give you the helping hand and sharing and advising you how you could like, you know, grow in your business. Because like, I mean, we have taught so many students like across, like, um, you know, like, um, you know, be it in the group, be it in like the, the trainings and all that kind of stuff you know, like people come and go and it's, it's sad mm-hmm. because like, you know, people feel that like, Oh, because they, they, they watch like uh, Steve courses and yeah. And, and then they became successful. They would just forget you. But like for us, it's like they're still like really, really close friends with us because these are the people that you really need to hold closely in your life. And, you know, having all these people that really cares about you and have um, you know, willing to share things or share like business strategies with you you're going to be able to grow so much faster compared to doing everything yourself or compared to like Mm -hmm. not sharing or not having like a a tight mastermind community that you are openly able to share all these things will make a really really big difference so i really um kind of like i think the big difference that i see was you know i had a, like a really good bunch of friends that i really called my brothers and all that everyone's very willing to share like you know e-com knowledge be a or whichever like opportunities that come across and that was like kind of like i would say one of my big turning points in my life as well because like you know I, i've learned so much from them i've learned so much like you know new stuff and probably business opportunities through like you know just engaging and just networking with them and just learning from them
1: wow that's amazing i gotta tell you i uh i I wasn't i can i never know what answer i'm going to get to the question that's why it's a question but uh that was impressive (laughs) thank you (laughs) you're welcome so uh i'll i got one more uh for you and it it does tie into uh, what i've just asked this one is going to be very based on present tense so one thing that you've talked about is that uh, everyone has a self-limiting tendency uh that theoretically prevents us from disappointment and failure so i want to i'm curious if you've got any ones that you're currently trying to uh overcome um but i want to admit one of my own just in good faith um the one that i'm dealing with right now is my uh my, my dopamine consumption it didn't really occur to me until i learned what a dopamine addiction even is just like a year and a half ago which is just that constant checking our phone for updates on Facebook or uh, opening up my, my clash of clans briefly just to check on my village. And before (laughs) I, before I know it, I've lost 30 minutes before I know it, I've lost 40 minutes. I'll be in, I'll be in bed and I'll be like, Oh my goodness. I I, I woke up and it's been 30 minutes. I got to interview Steve. So like these, these things, they, they come up and it's something that I'm trying to, to deal with. Um, I'm curious what, uh, uh, what are you working on right now, and what's your strategy to uh, get past it?
0: Um, yeah, for sure. Um, right now, I, I would say I'm pretty disciplined, right? I, I love using TikTok, right? Uh, the China version, because like it has a lot of crap on it, you know, funny stuff. So I only use it on the weekends, like when I really mm. want to de-stress. It's kind of like my go-to de-stress Thing, uh, tool to kind of like really not do anything and just like slouch on my sofa just watching random crap like that's on it right so i used to like do it often but i cannot find it it's like quite addictive right just doing nothing i could spend hours on 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 the app at any one go yeah right but nowadays i only do it on a weekend so i recently kind of like i really wanted to change my lifestyle a little bit i'm a very business focused person but when it comes to my fitness my health like it's uh you know i could never find a great reason why i need to be like in like good shape and all that kind of stuff so i'm always like you know i wouldn't say i'm fat <laughs> but like you know i'm not very slim either so you know like average i would say so it's like very average so I wanted to start making, um, uh, make changes in my life. So I started setting up my morning routine. I started watching like, you know, some YouTube videos you know I started making up like checklists that I want to like start making small changes in my life. And so far, so good. I've been on this like uh, new lifestyle for like well, probably close to a few months now. So, you know, I'm, I'm always a night owl. I usually sleep at one or 2 a.m nowadays i sleep at 10 p.m. so after this interview i'm really just going to like get a quick shower and just going to head straight right, right straight to bed mm-hmm. like like um i i only found out till now that i really I'll, also i want to share with like on your community as well that no entrepreneur should really like undermine the importance of sleep right so I used to like burn the midnight oil. I'll work like twenty-four hours. when I have a really great idea, I work throughout the entire night. My next day would be shit. Even though like I'm super excited. But the lack of sleep really um impairs your ability to perform. But a lot of founders don't realize that. They were like, oh, oh, I'm a startup. I really need to, you know, put in yes, you should put in a lot of efforts, but you also need to get adequate rest. And which is why now, like, I'm more into, like, you know, a little bit biohacking my, my performance. I want to make sure that I, I'm in my peak state by, in, through normal means, not through taking, like, what, supplements or, or, or drugs or whatever kind of stuff. I just want to, like, be healthy so, so that it can get me into my peak state and, you know, keep myself energized throughout the entire day through workouts and all that kind of stuff and so that i could be ready for longevity rather than just Mm a hundred hundred meter sprint because business is also about longevity i'm not in this business so that i could be in this business for a year i want to be in the business for like 10 20 30 years and ongoing right so i need to be which is why I, i finally found my why why i need to be in great shape so that i could be in this game for as long as i want rather than being reactive uh, i can be proactive in being in control of what state or what um what performance that i could be in
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i just uh try getting into the habit, maybe in the last couple of months to just try to get a walk in every single day. And even just going for a walk every day is a significant difference. So if anybody's not like we, we, people don't need to become athletes, but even a little bit of physical exercise makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. You you don't really need to be like an athlete, like, well, 10% body fat and that kind of stuff. I think it's more about finding a balance and making sure that balance suits you because you you need to be consistent in doing something every single day. And if you don't like it, you're not going to do it for for sure. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, Steve, this has been excellent. I uh, I really appreciate your time and that's everything I got for you today. So uh, unless there's any parting wisdom you want to leave us with, you can uh, hit the shower and then uh, head to bed.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been fun, um, you know, talking to you tonight. And thanks for having me.
1: And, and thanks to you as well. Thank you. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.